Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with Pastor Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the Senior Pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona, welcoming a guest speaker for this message. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 E7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation online, visit us at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now, with today's message, here's a word from our guest. This pastor has been a dear, dear friend of mine, uh, God, for 30, 30 plus years, and it's just been an incredible, incredible relationship that I have with him. And, and uh, he is not just a, a dear friend, but he's also one of our board members on Victorious Life, uh, 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 the corporate structure of this church. And so all of the uh, things that we do, we have annual meetings, we do different things, and this guy knows more about this church uh, than maybe some of you do. And so if you want to know things, you can corner him afterwards and say, Whoa, well, maybe don't do that. A dear, dear friend, if you'd welcome him today, Pastor Ray Kirkland, as he comes to share God's word. <laughs> I think I turned it on. Yep, he turned me on. Isn't God good today? Let me get my electronics working. I am the world's worst at electronics. Well, this thing ain't going to work. It didn't like it when I laid it down. It said, no, sir. I'm working on it, boy. I'll tell you what, it ain't doing it. So, well, we're just going to have to preach it. Now you guys are going to get ad lib. Now you're in trouble because you just never know what's going to come out next. (laughs) Amen. When I start going, it just goes. You know what I'm saying? So it'll be crazy today. So get ready. Are you ready? It's good to see everybody. Amen. I forgot how it feels up in Flagstaff. There's no air up here. I've been living in the West Virginia hills. I've been converted to hillbilly. Amen. It's been, it's been an unusual time. I still haven't eaten no possum soup. I refuse to eat possum. I, I think they snuck raccoon in on me one time. I really think that was not turkey. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but it wasn't no turkey. I promise you that. So we've been having fun out there. God's been good to us and it's a whole different world out in West Virginia. Let me tell you that. It's the, the Bible Belt and their hillbillies and moonshiners all at the same time. And so you never know what you're going to get in the church. You just never know what's going to happen next. And that makes it fun for me because I'm like, I'm not one of those guys that like it to know what's going to happen next all the time. Amen. I kind of like to go crazy and do something wild. Amen. Now, I don't know what I'm going to say today because my notes aren't working. So whatever happens, if you have problems with it, you don't like it, you can email timmasters at yahoo.com and he'll handle any situation there might be a problem. Timmasters at yahoo.com. That's where you go if you've got problems today. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Um, I want you to tell your neighbor, just look at your neighbor and say, you've got something coming back to you. You've got something coming back to you. And one more little quick thing as we get started here today. If, if um, you amen me a lot, we get out a lot sooner. 
It's just the way I work. Okay, I'm a, I'm a preacher. Now, I'm going to do my best today to not preach and teach a little bit, but I'm a preacher by nature. So the more you amen, the quicker we get out. And I, I do want to say something. You know, I've known your pastor, as he said, for many, many years. And I can say one thing about him that I know for sure. He loves Jesus. He does love God. You know, neither he or I are perfect, but he does love God. Amen. He loves his family. He loves his wife. That's a good thing. I know a lot of preachers. Oh, I shouldn't say that. I know people that might not love their wives as much as he loves his. Let's put it that way. He loves his wife. He loves this church. And he loves the Lord. Amen. And that's a beautiful thing. You'd be surprised how many aren't, can't say that. Okay, I've, I'm blessed to travel all over the world, as most of you know, and uh, been into 114 countries now preaching the gospel. I know literally thousands of preachers, and it's, you've got a unique pastor. You do. He loves the Lord. Amen. He loves the Word of God. He loves to study the Word. And so you're richly blessed in that. You really are richly blessed in that. As sons of God, how many of you know your sons and people of God in this house today? You've never really lost anything. I want you to catch on to that thought. You've never really lost anything. God can bring back anything you felt that you've lost and more. Oh, amen. I'm going to read to you Joel, the second chapter. We're going to start in the Old Testament. We're going to go to the New Testament. We're going to tie them together if I can. Joel 2, verse 25. It says, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust. Amen. Have you ever felt attacked in multiple areas? Like there's all kinds of locusts attacking you all at once. He says, my great army, which I sent among you, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God. In other words, he's saying it's not just enough, but there's going to be an overflow where you have to literally stop sometimes and just say, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for doing this. Thank you. I could have never done it myself. He says, who has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God. There's none other, and my people shall never be put to shame. In other words, what he's saying here, the fact that I, God, will bring it back to you. The fact that you thought you lost it and you had written it off. God says, I'm going to bring it back to you, and that's going to be a proof that I'm your God. Things that you wrote off, things that you figured, well, that's that. I'll never see that again or whatever. That's past. God says, I'll bring it back. Our God's a God of restoration. I'll bring it back, and it'll be a proof to you that I'm your God. Now, let me take you just a bit deeper into Mark third, third chapter. And now we're in the New Testament. He says, and he entered the synagogue again. And a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and the hand was restored as whole as the other. Now I want you to notice the word restored. It does not say that he healed the hand. It does not say that he made the hand whole. He says he restored the hand. So a lot of times when we think about restoration, we think of it as God bringing something back to our lives that was gone. It was in the storehouse, and it was taken away, and then God brings it back. And that's true. God does restore and bring things back. But there's two sides to restoration in the Bible. And the other side of restoration is the side called restitution. 
And that means that God not only brings it back, but he brings it back with interest. Or he brings it back multiplied. He doesn't just bring it back, he'll bring it back in great. So, so anytime you hear the word restoration or restored in the Bible, you need to also stick in your mind the word multiplication. Okay, so let's practice it. Restored. There you go. Restoration. That's what you, that's what happens. As soon as you see that, I want you to think multiplication, multiplication. I'll bring it back plus more. So let me give you some text. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Zacchaeus in Luke the 19th chapter was a tax collector. He was a, a man that everybody despised him. He would rip people off. He was, he was a thief and he had a lot of problems. In other words, in those days, as a Roman tax collector, they didn't just get to charge you whatever the IRS said. They just charged you what they wanted. So they looked at your house and they decided how much you had. They could tax you 50%, 60%, whatever they wanted. And you had to pay it or you went to prison. And so he was an evil man and he would tax the people. They didn't like him. But one day Jesus touched his heart. And here's what he said. "Uh, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Everybody say fourfold. So there's the word restore and there's multiplication. Okay, that's what happens. The first Adam that we had took everything. We lost everything with the first Adam. But then he drug us into sin. But then the second Adam came. How many of you know who that is? The last Adam. It wasn't the second. It was the last. He he said, greater works than these will you do because I go to my father. And so in other words, he says, I'm going to cause everything that was lost there to come back to you multiplied. You're going to do greater things than the lo- the first Adam ever lost. Is going to, I'm going to bring it back to you. You're going to see greater things, more power, more dominion than ever before. The Bible says in Proverbs 6.31, when a thief is found, he must restore how much? Sevenfold. Everybody say sevenfold. So this is the way the Bible works. Whenever there's a restoration, God always brings it back in multiplication. Job, we know, was assaulted by the devil. And because of that, he lost everything except his nagging wife. Amen. That was, I don't know, I'm not going to, I'm going to try to stay off that subject. I'm not preaching on that today. But the Bible says he gave him back everything double. Amen. So look at your neighbor and say, at least you're going to get to double. Well, at least you're going to get double. In Zacchaeus, you got four times. With the thief, you'll get seven times. With Jesus, you get greater. And the least you'll get is double. Amen. So whenever God begins to restore something, he gives it back to you in multiplication. I want you to catch on to this. Because a lot of you got some stuff that needs restored in your life today. And he wants to multiply it back to you. Now, you can't just get it back. And we'll talk about that. It has to be multiplied. How many of you have had a season in your life you'd like to have a do-over in? It's just like, I'd like a do-over on that one. And some of you need a big, long do-over because it was a long problem. Amen. Some of you are little do-overs, but whatever. We've all had one of those. I know you guys don't lie up here in Flagstaff. Is that the truth or what? We all. Here's the thing that we've done is we've learned to cope with our loss. We've learned just to cope with it, okay? And so we've, we'll say what it is is what it is. That's what, that's, that's our little thing. You know, pastor, what it is is what it is. I don't know. I, I've just, and we learn to cope with it. That's just my lot in life. That's just the way it went. I don't, I couldn't change it. That's just what happened. But that's not what the Bible teaches. 
The Bible says something completely different. It, it, it doesn't matter if you did something dumb. How many of you have ever done anything dumb? Okay. It doesn't matter if you did something dumb. It doesn't matter if somebody did something evil to you. It doesn't matter if you was tricked. It doesn't matter if you was deceived. None of that matters. God says, I will restore to you all the stuff that the locust has eaten in your life. I will restore it with multiplication. I will restore it with blessing. And this you will know that I am the Lord your God because I've done it. Things that you wrote off, things that you gave up, God says, I'm going to give it back to you and restore it to you and bless you in it. Amen. Things that you thought were impossible, he said, I'm going to prove to you I'm God. Oh, amen. Amen. You got to watch out. You can make me preach. I'm trying to teach. Here's the crazy thing about it. God not only gives you back the stuff, he gives you back the time. He gives you back the years that the locust has eaten. Stuff is part of the equation, but a lot of you spend a lot of time worrying over the stuff you lost. If you've ever been through a bankruptcy, you spend a lot of time with the attorneys and everywhere else and the bill companies. God says, I'm not only going to give you back the stuff, I'm going to give you back the time. I'll give you back your friends. I'll give you back your marriages, your families. I'll give you back your money. I'll give you back your clothes. I'll give you back all of this stuff. I'll bless you back, but not only that, I'll give you back the time you invested in it. Listen, there's only one way you get anything from God, and that's by faith. It's never by need. If it was by need, God would be moving in India right now. He'd be moving in the ghettos right now and in the poor peoples. God, God doesn't move by need. God moves by faith. You got to believe what his word says or you don't get it. Okay. Amen. Amen. So, so there's something here. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, I'm, I believe it's coming to me. I believe. I believe that God can restore things into our lives. I believe that things that we lost, God has an ability to give back. I believe that in this city, there's been a lot of churches go down, but God wants this city to be a hill, a city set on a hill. I believe he does. I believe if revival breaks out in Flagstaff, Arizona, it will spread all over the entire state. Everybody looks at this city. Everybody says there's demons in the mountains and demons here and this and that. I want to tell you, this is a city set on a hill, literally. Literally, amen. And God has a plan for this city, and the devil has ripped off some stuff, but somebody's going to get restoration. Somebody's going to get restoration. It might as well be you. I don't know who it's going to be, but whoever has faith will get it. How many of you want it to be you? Okay, so this is where we're at. You've got it. That gives me a Pentecostal bump. It makes me just want to jerk. I went into West Virginia, and I'm telling you, that place was something else. We had 50 people in that church and a debt load of 100000 a month to make our payments. Okay? And it was just a messed up scene. But all of a sudden, I said, God, you're a God of restoration. Amen. Somebody going to get blessed around this state. Somewhere, God's going to move. Hallelujah. And so God started moving. God started blessing. And we haven't been late on a mortgage payment yet. Hallelujah. God's been helping. God's been blessing. God's been doing stuff. Because I believe in what I'm preaching today. And I believe it'll happen right here in this town. I don't care if you're from the reservation or even from Winslow. God bless you. God can restore whatever you lost. And I believe that we have to have the spirit to believe again. Somebody say hallelujah. Now, if you make me say amen a lot, it's because you're not saying it. (laughs) Anything in the Bible should be consistent. 
Okay? In other words, it should flow from the front to the back. So the prophet in the Old Testament said, God will restore the years and all the stuff. Then Jesus comes along, and in our Mark, the third chapter, he, t- he touches this man and he restores him. So now, and that same word, restore, is in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Now, it's very interesting to me what happens in this story. So I want to take a moment and look at it. Because I'm going to help you find out how to step into restoration. Are you ready? Here's how you step into restoration. This man is very, very unusual. Because all over the rest of the Bible... When people got something from the Lord, it's because they went to the Lord. The little woman pressed through the crowd to get to the Lord. Blind Bartimaeus cried out to get to the Lord. Okay, all through the Bible, people were, Lord, heal my servant. They cried out. They went to the Lord. This man didn't do any of that. He's one of the only people that I found in Scripture that didn't ask for nothing. He wasn't even trying to get to the Lord. He was just standing in the crowd looking. So what is, he was just standing in the church crowd, just standing there. He was looking at the Lord. I don't know what drew him there. He must have known the Lord was there. He must have loved the Lord. I don't know if he's just checking it out. I don't know what. But while he's standing in this crowd, Jesus approaches him. Amen. Jesus comes right to him and says to him, step forward. Stretch out your hand. Now, it's interesting to me. This guy had not asked for his hand to be healed. He didn't, he didn't bring up his hand. Okay? And he had learned to just cope with it. Who knows how long he'd had that hand like that. Maybe he was born with his hand like that. And he wasn't there trying to get somebody to heal his hand. He was just there looking. He was just there watching. And so sometimes we get used to things and we just live with them. And just because you're okay with it does not mean God's okay with it. Just because you've learned to live with it doesn't mean God wants you to live with it. Hallelujah. You've just learned to cope with the witchcraft of Flagstaff. You've just learned to cope with all the stuff goes on. Amen. Over there where I live, they've learned to cope with moonshiners. People disappear. They don't know where they went. I'll tell you where they went. Seven miles down in a mine shaft. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no. It's for real. Okay, and that people there just cope with it. It's just the way it is. It's just, this is just the way it is, Pastor. It's the way it is here in the mountains. Y'all? See, we cope with things. In West Virginia, they just cope with poverty. They just live with it. They believe it's okay. They just live with poverty, and that's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. We ain't got no money. We coal miners, and they shut us down. It's just the way it is. It's just the way it is, Pastor. And so I'm sitting there listening to that, and I'm thinking, that ain't the way it is. You're, West Virginia's 50 on the poorest state. We're the poorest state in the union. People are poor over there, and they just accept that. I'm sorry, I don't accept that. They got the same God in West Virginia they got over here in Arizona. So they've accepted something that I don't believe God's pleased with. And so God puts a demand on your life. God steps into your world and says, put it out there. Amen. Just because... He does this. Now, here's another thing I noticed about this story. He says, stretch forth your hand. He didn't say, which hand? He never said, which hand? See, what most of us would have done is stretch forth our good hand. Like you're going to shake. You don't stick out your nub. 
I call the good hand the church hand. Yeah, it's the church hand. Because you wouldn't want anybody else to see your nub. Oh, I got nervous. I don't know what's wrong in here. See, what we've done in the church world is we've created an atmosphere where it's not... Uh, what's the right word? We, it's not comfortable, I guess is the best word, to, to, to expose your weakness. Nobody wants to come to church and expose your weakness. So when we come to church, we put on our church face. And very few have as good a church face as I got. I can put a smile on, brother, that'll knock you down. Anyway, we put on our church clothes. We put on our church talk. We put on our church behavior. We want, we want every, how's it going? Oh, praise the Lord. And the truth is, the devil beat the snot out of you all the way here. You were feeling depressed, despondent, and all kinds of ugly things. The pastor said, raise your hand. You raise your hand. But you didn't feel it. Oh, come on. Talk to me. The church is meant to be a place of healing. The church is meant to be a place where people can hold out their nub and be accepted. Where they can put out the stuff that's not so happy. Yes, people have issues in this church. And yes, those people that have issues in this church today that are struggling still love God. How many of you know you can love God and have a problem in your home? You can love God and have a screwed up marriage. You can love God and have a screwed up kid. You can love God and be going bankrupt. You can. Is that right? But boy, we wouldn't want nobody to know. Now, West Virginia, I got there, and it's still that way today. They're so guarded. I, I've got hundreds and hundreds of people now in the church, and, 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 and yet when you call an altar call, you're lucky to get five to come down because they wouldn't want nobody to think bad. They wouldn't want nobody to think that they got a problem. Everybody in the church already knows you got a problem. It's a small town. We got 17,000 people. Everybody knows everybody. But we're going to hide that because the church world, the religious world, has said you can't expose your nub to nobody. Somebody say amen. amen. And so people want help, but they're afraid that you won't respect them if they actually share their heart with you. If they actually opened up and told you the trouble that they're going through, they feel like you would look at them different, treat them different, place them different, function with them different. We've got to somewhere be able to have pe- pastors that are in trouble and love them anyway. Amen. Amen. We've got to somewhere have people that are just normal people, real people, honest people, that we can say, look, I've got a little bit of a problem. Will you pray for me today? Hallelujah. I told my church that I'm, I'm there this week. We had several things going, but my father's not doing well. And so I stood up in front of my church and I said, I need to go see my dad. You're going to have to let me go. Is that all right? We, we, I'm, I'm transparent. I want them to know what's going on. I'm not up there trying to act like I'm Mr. Super Holy Ghost. There's some days I got the Super Holy Ghost. Amen. There's other days I feel whooped. I'm, I don't know who I'm preaching to in here today. I'm not sure who it is. Because so, you all are so perfect. That's amazing. Church should have an atmosphere where people can come in here, stretch forth their nubs, and still be loved. Still be accepted by that house, still know that they love God, still know that they're, they're, they're powerful, and still know that they can come to a man, Jesus Christ, who can restore their hearts. 
Jesus said to him, listen to these words, Jesus said, step forward, move forward. In other words, for, for, for God to move, he, there, there, requ- there was a requirement. The requirement was you got to get unstuck. You got to get unstuck. Most of the time where we're stuck is in this little thing called the brain. Our mind. Our mind is what gets stuck. Amen. So, so if you can get your mind out of trouble, you can usually get yourself out of trouble. Can you get your marriage out of trouble? If you can get your mind out of trouble, you can get it out. You can get your money out of trouble. You can get your finances out of trouble, your family out of trouble, your career out of trouble. If you can get your mind out of trouble. There's not a devil in hell. There's not a witch that's put a hex on you. There's not an enemy that hates you that can stop you from being all that God's called you to be and from being free if you can get your mind out. Sometimes you just got to get your mind and lead your head out first. It's the way you get birthed. You got to come out head first. And so the same thing happens here. Jesus says to this man, you've got to come out first. I need you to step out of where you're at. You're stuck. You got to step out. The, The healing wasn't the problem. The restoration wasn't the problem. His brain was the problem. He was hiding in the crowd. He was, see, some of you are still hiding in the crowd. Oh, amen. There's another guy in the Bible. Let me tell you that story. He's a paralyzed man. This dude has paralyzed legs. He can't walk. He can't move. Okay? And so Jesus comes along. What do you think that Jesus would pray for? The man's legs. That's what the man needed, his legs fixed. What does Jesus say to him? Your sins are forgiven. What? What does that got to do with my legs, Lord? Jesus knew somewhere in his life, his brain had got stuck. His brain had got stuck. His mind was stuck. Jesus said, whatever sin that you think that's happened in your life and made you deserve this, made you live with this, made you think that it's okay to be paralyzed, I forgive you of whatever that thought is. I release you from that thought. I unstick you from that thought. And the moment his brain snapped and said, I'm free from this, he stood up and walked. The problem was never his legs. The problem was his mind. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Some people can't walk for the Lord more than a month or two and they fall apart. It's their mind that's stuck. And we spend a lot of energy and a lot of time in our churches with our minds stuck. We're stuck back. We're worried about something that happened back yonder. We spent so much time and energy on it. All we can do is think about that. That just consumes our mind. We go home and our mind, we see our wife and we just start going, oh, bless God. You see your checkbook, bless God. You see the pile of bills and you, you spend a lot of energy and a lot of time there in your past. We need to start realizing that our God says we can step forward and i can restore everything i can bring back everything that you think you lost in the back i can bring it back to you and i can restore it and multiply it into your life this is a tough crowd you cannot relive an era you can't a, a season you can't relive a season people always talk about what happened in the big old days in the good old days see the church i pastor we seat 1,500 people, okay? There was a day that they ran almost 1,500 people. So after six church splits, they're down to 50 people. And that's where I got there. Okay, so all they want to talk about is the church splits and the day that it was a great revival. But your problem is that doesn't take us out of where we're stuck. 
We're stuck. And so I've got to come onto the scene and say, wait a minute, guys. God wants to restore. God wants to multiply. If that back there ain't nothing compared to what he has for us. God wants to move in this place. God wants to do something powerful. But you cannot get stuck in that old season and keep expecting God to go back there and do something that God did before. Because God's the God of the, the new things. You can't take an old habit, amen, and expect God to put a new blessing in it. That's called old wineskins. God doesn't put the new wine in old wineskins. You can't have your old habit and expect God to bless it. Somewhere you gotta shift. Somewhere you gotta step forward. Somewhere you gotta expose yourself. Somewhere you gotta say, God help me. And so here's what Isaiah said. Isaiah said, remember not the former things, nor consider the things that, that are back there. Behold, I do what? A new thing. Everybody say a new thing. God's not trying to do what he did before. He's doing a new thing. We don't care about what happened last year. God's doing a new thing. We don't care what happened last week. God's doing a new thing. Every week, every time I step in the pulpit, we're doing a new thing. This is what Paul said. This one thing I do, I forget those things are behind me. And I press forward to those things which are ahead. Jesus said, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So every one of these guys, they're being told, take your mind from where it's stuck. Pull it out and move it forward. Stretch forward. Come out with your, with your situations. Come out. Don't focus on the past. Focus on the forward. So if you're wanting restoration and you keep talking about your problems, you're never going to get there. Amen. I've come to tell you today what you ought to do is cry your last tear. You ought to cry it right here. You ought to get it over today. I don't know what you're suffering with, whatever you're going through, but you ought to cry your last tear today. Get it over with. Boo-hoo, scrot, blow snot, whatever you got to do. When you walk out of here, leave it here. Amen. Quit trying to be some other church. You're a great church. Quit trying to be somebody else. Quit trying to live somebody else's life. Get in season with what God's doing. God's doing a new thing in Flagstaff. God's doing a new thing in Flagstaff. It ain't nothing like what you've ever seen before. Nothing that you compare yourself to. Nothing that you could, you're going to have to accept, okay, we've had a few problems. Here's our nub, but I'm stepping forward. Amen. We've had a few problems at our church in West Virginia. It hasn't been all peaches and cream. It's been some ugly stuff goes down. There's been some heavy duty. You want to talk about some witchcraft, buddy, go over there and check out them hillbillies. We're talking about snake handlers for real. Oh, yeah. You talk about some real stuff. I'm talking about Hopi's ain't got nothing on the hillbillies. Amen. And so there's something powerful you have to understand. And so I had to step in there and tell them, listen here. You folks can't handle Facebook. Delete Facebook. Open your phone up and take their names and hit delete. You can't handle it because every time you see it, you start thinking about back there. Every time you look at it, it refreshes your memories of all your struggles, all your pain. You, you can't get stuck there. Get your mind free and step forward. You cannot live in the past. You cannot live in your burden. You cannot live back there somewhere. You've got to cut yourself free from that and step forward. God, kingdom restoration is this. God doesn't give you back what you lost. God gives you back better. He doesn't want to give you back that. That's what got you in trouble back there. 
He wants to give you something better and he wants to multiply it. There's a big difference between the word whole and the word heal and the word restore. Restore literally means to create a new structure. That's what it means. So it doesn't mean God take you back somewhere where you were. That would be taking you back to an old structure. God wants to take you into something new, something that's powerful, something that's beautiful, something that's completely different. You got robbed back there. You lost it back there. So God wants to step you into something with a brand new language, a brand new way of thinking, a brand new parameter, a brand new, uh, a brand new everything. So in my church, see, they've got a language. It's called religion. Oh, they're the most religious people you ever saw in your world. They've been raised generations of Christians. They think they're Christians because they go to church. Oh, it got quiet in the kingdom again. Listen, salvation is very easy. The kingdom of God is very complex. Amen. Salvation is simple. I can get you saved in 10 seconds. But to get you into the kingdom is going to take a lifetime. It's a whole different thing. So I had to start teaching a new language. Because their language, they use the same words, but the words weren't the same words. Amen. So we had to bring a new structure, new definitions, new paradigms, new, new parameters. And, 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 and I, I had to help them to understand that God wants to bring and restore a whole new dimension in your life. God doesn't want you to step back into a new marriage and fall into the same trap you did in the old marriage. Amen. God wants to help you create new parameters and restore everything that was lost back in that one into this one. And God give you something beautiful and fresh. God doesn't want you to go back to the old way you ran money because you got bankrupt back there. God wants you to step into something new, a whole new parameter, a whole new way of doing business. I want you to think about it. Just think about it for a minute. How much do you tithe? How much? Just think of your own tithe. Now think how many people are in here. Count, let's just take 50. Let's say you tithe $100 a week. Okay? Times 50 people, that's what? 5,000, right? Did I get that right? Okay. Times, let's say 4.3 weeks or four point, let's just say four weeks. That's, that's 20,000 a month. My mortgage is 100,000. Is that structure going to work? Is that parameter going to work? Is that going to get us anywhere new, new? If we keep doing that, we're not going to win. So I have to teach a new language. I'm trying to help you. I have to get them to step out of their mindset and into something new. Stretch forth their little nub. We ain't being able to make our bills. Stretch forth your nub and step into something new. Expose that and let's go somewhere else. We started ministering kingdom. And when people started to catch on to kingdom, their world enlarged, their finances enlarged, and we've been able to pay our bills $100,000 plus per month. That ain't talking about utility bill of $15,000 a month. Say everybody wants a big church. That ain't talking about, we feed, I fed 968 people last week. We feed about a thousand people a month. The whole social services of our state come to our church to get clothing for the babies. We support on top of our hundred thousand. How do we get there? That's what I'm trying to show you. You have to change and step out of your nub into something new. You can't keep asking God to do what you saw happen over at that church or that church or man, if God would just do this. Forget all that. Step into kingdom. Whoo. 
You have to have a restructuring. You have to have a restructuring, a way, a new way of thinking, a new language, a new, a new, uh, uh, a function, a, a different set of friends, a different set of function. If you listen, people, they're stuck in drugs. Here's the problem. What's the problem? I'm an alcoholic. That's what they'll say. That's not the problem. That's the what. We need to change the who. If we change the who, the what will change. So the problem is, is who you're hanging out with. Come hang out with me and you won't be an alcoholic because I don't drink. Just change your who and your what will change. But they keep going back to the same who's. They keep having the same what's. Oh, come on, I'm preaching. So I have to start changing the parameters of those folks. I have to start helping them to understand we can shift a few things in your world and God can begin to restructure your world. God can get you out of being stuck in the mindset you're stuck in. You can restructure. You can move forward. God can do something powerful and fresh and new. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we're seeing about a hundred people a week saved now. I'm not, uh, we are not getting them all in the church. So we still need restructuring. We're not getting them in. They're not staying. Can I be honest? That bothers me. So I got to change language. I've got to change structure. Somehow our capacity is not large enough. God's given us a 44 ounce revival and we got a 12 ounce cup. We're losing it. I need to change the capacity of my church. I need to change. I got to get them unstuck somewhere we're stuck. I need to fi- find the, I gotta get in the Holy Ghost. I gotta pray. God's gotta give me revelation to speak a new kingdom language so we can step into something fresh, something new, so He can restructure, restore, give me more than He's ever given before. Not something I'm from the past. I don't want nothing from the past. I want what God's doing today. It's not about numbers. Everybody's about church growth. How big's your church? Cancer grows. I don't care about growth. I don't care if you're seven foot tall and you're, you're sick. I don't care. I don't care if you're four foot tall and health. I want healthy. Amen. We need healthy churches. We need healthy people. I've seen Christians everywhere. They're not healthy. Hallelujah. I've done, I don't know how many. I, I really don't know how many. I've been in ministry 40 years. And in the last three years in West Virginia, I've done more funerals than in all of my years put together. The coal miners get cancer in their lungs, black, black lung. They get these problems. I've never seen so much cancer in all my life. But see, God healed me of cancer. God healed my liver of cancer. So in our church today, I, we have documented now, I think it's 33 cancer patients that were terminal completely healed today. That ain't enough. We're still burying them too fast. I need to change the language more. I need to change the parameters more. God doesn't want to just, God wants to do something new, something fresh. I believe if Jesus was there, we wouldn't have, we'd have a higher percentage than that. I'm not Jesus. I get that, but I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to do greater works. Are you hearing what I'm telling you today? Now you just cope with it and just say, well, that's just what it is. I mean, we're just coal miners. We all just die of cancer. Just the way it is. Well, then you're just going to die. But I'm not good with that. I'm not good with the divorce rate in the church. I'm not good with the struggles of finances in churches. I'm not okay with that. Hallelujah. I'm not okay with you coming to church and falling asleep. I like to slap the fat out your face. 
I'm not okay with that. <laughs> I will run back there and slap you too. I ain't lying. I got some brothers in my church who will slap the fat for you. Hallelujah. There's God's part of restoring, but there's my part of stepping into it and showing my nub. I got to be willing to be real with it. So, so I'm part of a denomination. So I went to the denominational headquarters. I told them, here's where we're at. They said, well, you can't do that. I said, well, you're going to do something because I'll walk out. You're going to be paying these bills. What do you want to do? So, I know I'm not, let me jump back. Let me go back. Let me go back. They want me to take and work 14 jobs myself, and my wife worked 14 jobs to pay their building for their building. Oh, yeah. And I said, we ain't doing it. We're going to let you go into foreclosure with your building. Well, you can't do that. I said, I can. So all of a sudden, they wake up. Now we have a restructuring of thought. Now all of a sudden, well, maybe we can come up with a new idea. Yeah, come on, now we're talking, baby. Huh? I told him, the Lord told me, don't sign no papers. Well, pastor, you got to sign the papers if we're going to remortgage. I said, I ain't signing nothing. You sign it. Restructuring. God can restore if we restructure. I'm making the devil so nervous he can't stand it right now. If you keep doing the same thing you've always been doing, that's called insanity. It's nuts. You're just a nut. <laughs> I got some family. Oh, never mind. <laughs> They're just nuts. <laughs> Amen. They're here. That's why I said I said that for their benefit. They're over there right there. Somewhere you have to challenge the structure. And I'm talking about within yourself. Because you come to a capacity level, that's as far as you've ever gone. And you just don't know how to go no farther. It's okay. Stretch out your nub. God, I don't know what to do. I flat don't know what to do. I'm stuck. I'm, I'm here. Here's what he's going to do. He's going to change whatever you're doing because what you're doing has got you stuck. And it's going to be very, very uncomfortable. It's going to be very, very uncomfortable. So let's, let, let me show you this in five-fold ministry. Let's talk about this for it. Is this all right? You guys all right? Yeah. See, I, I've done lost my notes. I don't know where they're at. I keep looking for them. They won't come back. Pastors. Okay, here, an apostle, an apostle, this is very basic, okay? This is very, very basic. An apostle says, the Lord's speaking to me, let's go north. Okay, he knows to go north. He's a breaker. He wants to go north. So then the prophet says, there's 14 mountains between here and there. The prophet sees how to go north. Okay, but the teacher says, oh, my God, we can't go without line upon line. We need a map. We need a map. The pastor says, we need strawberry and jelly sandwiches. We're going to starve to death out there. And the evangelist says, come on, everybody, let's go. Let's go. Right. So the pastor, he's in the church. He's a shepherd. He's loving and caring on everybody. He knows everybody's names and all the kids. And he just loves and loves. Oh, Mr. Love. The evangelist is in church saying, what are we doing in here? The souls are out there. Why are we in the four walls? Come here, I'm going to cast the devil out of you. That's the evangelist. 
The prophet, the prophet, he just wants to prophesy everything. It, it rained today. The rain of the Lord is coming. Everything they see, the sun shining, the shining of the Lord is upon us. <laughs> you know I'm telling the truth. You know I'm telling the truth. But we need all those gifts in the church. We need them all. This is a, God's building a house and he has five gifts. You can't build the whole house with a screwdriver. You need a, a hammer, a saw. There's five gifts, right? So, so the church gets stuck. Most churches have pastors. So the pastors, they're just giving everybody jelly sandwiches. Everybody's fat and bloated. They can't, they don't know nothing. They don't know nothing. You'd ask them about what is, you'd ask them, what's the difference between church and kingdom? And they can't tell you. Jesus said, never told us to build a church. He said, if you build it, you build it in vain. All your labor is wasted. I've spent 30 years building a church and he never told me to build one. He told me, preach the kingdom. Well, what's the difference between kingdom and church? Most Christians have no clue. Look at you. I'm not, I'm not getting down. We don't know. We've been eating jelly sandwiches. <laughs> All right. So the pastor realizes, i got to change this up. I'm going to bring in an evangelist. Well, the evangelist gets here, and he's crazy. He's psycho. I remember I brought in a guy. This is a true story. True story. I brought in a guy, an evangelist. He's nuts. He's running around screaming, hollering. I don't even know he's preaching. He don't even know he's preaching. I'm frustrated. And the next, you know, he gets all done that night. I try to be nice to him. I try to focus him in a little bit, focus him. Because I got him for a three-night revival. Next night, we got like 50 more people. I don't even know where they come from. He's an idiot. He ain't, he ain't said two words. And the next night, there's a guy there that ain't got no leg. He got in a car wreck. Got no leg. Brother, you want God to heal your leg? I'm thinking, oh, no. <laughs> Jesus, please, no. He's not going to do this. Come here, brother. God's going to grow your leg out. I'm saying, oh, Jesus. And the next thing I know, the evangelist takes his shirt off. Now he's not, not got a shirt on. I don't know even what that was about. Now he's got this little bony chest, a little bit scrab of hair right there. He's going to pray with a guy that ain't got no leg. I'm saying, oh, Jesus, please help me. Next night we have 150 visitors. <laughs> I went home after that last night. True story. I'm sitting there. I'm just exhausted. This guy wore me out. Because I was a pastor and I had an evangelist. But I needed him. He grew the church 150 people. They st- all of them stayed. Here's the crazy thing. I go home at night, and I'm sitting there watching the National Geographic or one of those channels, and it was about war veterans, people that had lost their limbs in war and how they have a sense that they can still feel it, but it's not there. So they took these cameras, and they're shooting at these people, and you can see the outlines of their arms and the outlines of their legs where there was none. And God said, I could have grown it back. I felt bad. <laughs> Because I was worried about, has everybody got their sandwiches? Is everybody okay? Hey, I got up after that, you know, I'm trying to console people. Don't worry about God's movie, God's movie. Try to make everybody comfortable. The evangelist had them so stirred up, I was a nervous wreck. Amen. I couldn't eat. I was sick. I had diarrhea. That evangelist wore me out. Amen. But that church needed that evangelist. They was getting a lot of steak here, but they just needed a jalapeno. They needed a jalapeno. The steak was good. I mean, you eat steak every day and it gets nasty. Amen. You know I'm telling the truth. I love tacos, but every day somewhere kids give me a pizza. 
Right? And so, so there has to be a restructuring, a rethinking, a redoing of a church. There has to be something where we, we shake it up, we move it, we do something. Because we get stuck in the same old religious language, the same old religious do. We sing three songs, too slow, fast, the, the, the same old, same old. And you know we do it. And we think it works. And our churches are dying. It's time to shift up. It's time to restructure. It's time to let God restore. It's time to let God bring in. I believe there's something that God wants to do in the earth that's dynamic. I really do. Amen. I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part. How many of you want to be a part of whatever God's doing in the earth? I want to be a part of that. I want God to touch people's lives. I want to see people's marriages restored. I want to see people healed. I want to see people touched. I, w- I want the real deal. Amen. So here's, here's where I'm at today. In this room today, some of you just need to move forward in God. You need to move forward. Some of you need to be willing to stretch out your nub and say, I've got a real problem here. I need some help. You're going to have to accept the help when it comes because it's not going to come packaged like you think. Jesus didn't come packaged the way they thought either. Okay, it's not going to come packaged the way you think. It's going to make you very uncomfortable because what you do, what's made you comfortable has got you where you're at today. You knowing everything's got you where you're at today. Amen. I'm having a church service. I'm just this is quick and I'm done. I'm having I'm having a, a conference in July because these are hillbillies, right? These are hillbillies. It's the same old, same old. So what am I doing? I'm bringing in people from Japan, Brazil, Mexico, France, uh, Romania, uh, uh, ten different nations. I'm going to have fifty people staying in my house. Oh, yeah. And I'm having them stay, have stay in their houses, too. We bring in Japanese, Portuguese, Brazilians. We bring in all kind of people. Then I'm bringing in Ashley Evans to minister. He's the guy that runs Planet Shakers. they got 30,000 youth in their youth department. Okay, I'm going to bring him in. And the other guy I'm bringing in is a guy named Santa Fe. He, he pastors 3,500 people per service, five services per day in Brazil. Okay, it's just, okay, because them hillbillies need to restructure I'm going to make them listen to bilingual services in Portuguese and Japanese. It's so much fun because you stand all these pastors up there and the French, oh, we see, we, 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 all this stuff when they pray. I have them pray on the opening night, you know, and then the, then the, the, the Brazilians, like, oing, oing, the, the way they talk and everybody talk. And then you get to the Japanese, hi 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 I don't even know what they're saying, but it's fun. I want the hillbillies to see that, that God can move in all countries. Amen. That God can do something. Let's, let's get you out of the hills. Come on, I know you like possum, but other folks like stuff, other stuff. Amen. I wish, we should bring some Navajos over there and get some mutton stew going. We'll jack them up with some mutton stew. Now I've ate some mutton stew. I've ate good mutton stew and I've ate nasty mutton stew. <laughs> I've had both kinds. Navajo tacos would be good. Who can make some? Oh, come on. There's an Evo Taco girl. See, that's what, that's what we need, right? Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's what we need. We got to have that, that new thing or God can't bring us into what he has for us. He wants to multiply our, our, the spirit of God. He wants to multiply. He wants to do more. He wants to do more. The greatest miracle I ever saw. Is it my last story? I already said my last story. This is one last one. I was in India. This is a true story. There's, the, the church building was a little bit bigger than this. The pulpit was at that end with one little fan turning about half the speed of one of those. Hotter than a snake. 
1,700 people have we guessed inside that building. I don't know how them little Indians can just pack in there like that. And all the girls on that side and all the guys on that side. I'm standing on the platform, and i got a space about this big, and there's pastors all the way around me. Stand, there's no room. It's hot, hot, hot. And I'm preaching, and the Spirit of the Lord touches me and says, pray for that school of deaf children. There was 30 deaf children there. I couldn't even get up. I'm stuck. Lord, in Jesus' name, in English I'm speaking. The, the Hindu guy's trying to keep up with me, and all of a sudden those kids start barking. They'd never heard before. So when they heard sound, they just go, arr, 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 arr. They, Some of them were afraid. Some of them were crying. Some of them were laughing. It was, it was a trip. Well, when they started getting healed, suddenly the presence of the Lord just flooded the room. It was an amazing moment. Okay, at that moment, now here, right in the middle of this great, glorious moment, I start smelling hot urine. How does that smell? This old pastor beside me couldn't get out, so he just peed the pants. Now I got hot urine all around my feet. I'm talking about it's stinking like the devil. <laughs> Said that I looked at you, I rebuke you. You are the devil, man. Who are you? You know, it was nasty. Can I just be honest with you? So we're in a spiritual moment, but I ain't so spiritual all of a sudden. I'm frustrated with that guy, man. Pee your pants somewhere. I can't believe you did this. Serious. Next thing I know, there's a guy standing in front of me. How he got there, I don't know how he got there. And he's got one of them, them uh, cloth thing on that Indian people wear. Just, and his, he's got the shoulders exposed, and he's got three little nubs of fingers sticking out. And he says, pray for me, pray for me. I have to tell you, I'm not thinking about praying no more. I know we just had a glorious moment. I smell hot urine. My faith is gone. And I'm just going to do a Lord God bless him in the name of Jesus. And that's what I did. I did a Lord God bless him in the name of Jesus. My capacity had reached the top. This other little Indian pastor over on this side, he goes, Pastor, can I pray for him? I said, yeah, man, knock yourself out. You go, you go for it. That little guy reached over there, and in the name of the Lord, he grabbed those little fingers, and he pulled out a full arm. In front of my eyes, I watched an arm come out of a shoulder. When it did, I've always wanted to be like Jimmy Swaggart. I could take my glasses off and just cry and put them back on and cry. But I can't do that. It ain't in me. Because when I cry, I sound more like the Lion of the Wizard of Oz. Uh, 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 uh. That's what I sound like. And I can't talk. I can't function. When that arm came out, uh, uh, I flipped a bicky, man. Next thing I know, I'm on my hands and knees in the urine. I'm shaking. I'm sh- I shook for two hours. It flipped me out. God enlarged my capacity that day. God restored that man to, to a wholeness in a place that was way beyond what I was at. And all the little Indian pastors, oh, glory to God, glory to God. It's like they see it every day or something. Are you hearing me? God is able to do things that will blow your mind. Don't put him in your box. Don't try to be like anything you've ever seen anybody else in Phoenix or anybody else doing. God's got something special for this city. He's got something special for this house. Yes, he does. Amen. He's not done here. He's just starting here. It's just, it's just start. God's got something special for this house. God needs you to enlarge your capacity. Let him be God in this house. Don't you try to say what should happen, what shouldn't happen. God moves in a house the way God moves. He just moves in a house. I know it's crude. I know it's ugly. But God moves in a house. And every house has bowel movements. It's healthy. 
I'm not being ugly. It happens. Don't freak out on it. Don't go, oh, my God. No, that's normal. Get up. You're going to be okay. Move forward. Move forward. Let God help you. Move forward. Don't get stuck in the past. Don't try to live somewhere else. Don't try to do something. Just move forward. Stick out your little nub. Okay, God, we're, we're, we're going through some situations here. God's in charge. Look at your neighbor. Say, God's large and he's in charge. Just look at him. Say, he's in charge. He's not, God's not up in heaven wringing his hands. Oh, no. What are we going to do now? Oh, my God. Jewel's not here to run the church. We know Tim's going to screw it up before the gets back. Gabriel, Gabriel, hurry. <laughs> Gabriel ain't enough. We better send the warring angel Michael down here. <laughs> Lord Jesus, help the servers get over quick. <laughs> Amen. I believe church ought to be a fun place. It ought to be a good place where we learn and we grow. Okay, so if you're stuck in your world, if you're stuck in your world, you got yourself there. Now it's time to get out. How do you get out? You got to move forward. You got to quit hiding in the crowd. Quit your, that's all, it's just the way it is. I'm okay. I got it. I got it. I got it. You ain't got nothing. You ain't got nothing. I got to West Virginia. You ain't got nothing. I couldn't even speak hillbilly back then. I'm pretty good at it now. You get me in the South, buddy, I can do it now, man. I can talk you all like you say, buddy. <laughs> I sure can. I belly up to the table with the best of them. <laughs> Amen. Is that all right? You got to learn how to flow. You got to learn how to function. I stick my nub out. I don't know what I'm doing here, church, but I'm here with you. We're here to fight. We're here to believe God. And that church is rallying around that cry because we've got a new language, a new way. We're not trying to be any other church. There's there, 1,700 people and there's 450 churches in town. 17,500 people. There's 450 churches in my town. There's a church on every corner. You want a snake handle? Go over there. Want to be a Baptist? Go over there. Want to be a Spirit-filled Baptist? Go over there. There's a flavor for everybody. There's a flavor for everybody. Whatever flavor you want, we got one. You think God's in that mess? God wants to do something new. God wants to do something fresh. Is that right? And that's why the people are coming, because they're looking for something real, authentic. People want authentic. They don't want same old, same old. They want authentic. Be real with us. So what did I do? I started putting black folks up on the platform because it was an all-white church. Well, our, our, our church, our city is 60% white and 40% black. Now we got the black folks at the church. Oh yeah. The guy that trained TD Jakes is in my church. The pastor that, pastor Sierra and, and TD, they're, they're all part of my church now. That's true. Okay. There's only like five Mexicans in the whole town. I got them all. <laughs> None of them could cook a taco. Can you believe it? There's a Mexicans don't have a clue how to cook tacos. They've been in the hills so long, they still think raccoon's the way to go. It's true. Amen. So I find a little crackhead, I put it right on the platform. Here, you can lead songs. I can lead songs, they got three teeth. I'll lead songs. You don't believe it? I'll show you online. Nikki right up there leading them songs. I had to, I got one girl, I told Pastor Tim, we had to put tape on the floor, say you have to stay in that square. She's well endowed and she loves to dance. 
We had to get her new clothes and tell her you stay in the square. <laughs> She's wild, man. Mama wild. She'd been saved all of 60 days. She'll come up and take the mic right from you while you're preaching. Come, I feel God. You stay in the square. Get in the square. <laughs> it's true. You want to know why the church is growing? We restructuring. Is this helping anybody today? We got to have this to happen. Quit worrying about all the stuff of the past. Look forward. You can't drive your car looking in the rear view mirror. Look out the windshield. You're going to wreck. Look forward. Look forward. Look forward. I don't care. I had a great service last week. Father's Day, it was a dud. I don't know what happened. I don't know if the devil got in there. My song leader was just like choked up. He couldn't sing. I couldn't preach. It was horrible. It was a horrible service. That's true. It was a horrible service. After church, I said, that was a downer. But we honest about it. That was, that one was, that one sucked. Oh no, we're real about it. But we ain't living there no more. We're going to the next service. Huh? We're moving to the next service. Come on. That was bad. That's how you break it. That's how you break it. You keep pushing, you keep pushing, you keep pushing, you keep believing God, you keep doing stuff, you keep going forward. Amen. Because God's doing something brand new and fresh in this house. Amen. Amen. Bow your heads. I got hungry. I got to go. I felt the hunger come on me. Your pastor, pastor told me if I, if I preached good, he'd feed me. Otherwise, I'm getting salad. That's what he told me. He said, if you don't preach good and get us out early, you, get, you ain't getting nothing but salad. Can you believe he told me that? He did. <laughs> Lucky I got a salad, man. <laughs> Woo, Jesus help us. And my brother told me he wouldn't stay after church to take me out either. He said, I'm getting out of here. He didn't want to buy a meal. The brother's loaded. He ain't going to buy me nothing. <laughs> Father, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness, your love, your grace. We thank you, Lord, that you got something so special for this house and for all of our lives. Lord, some of us have lost our babies, our children, our marriages, our homes, our finances, our friends. Some of us are in the middle of it, losing it right now. We know it. So God, today, we're stepping out. Lord, that's me. We're going to be real about it. We're going to be authentic. He's a God that's able to restructure, multiply, and put it into your life. He's a God that takes... See, you, you think you're paralyzed and messed up, but really... It's your brain is stuck. Your sins are forgiven. Break break loose. Break loose of whatever it is that's making you think you deserve what you got. Or you have to live like that. Or you've coped with it. Break loose of that. Break loose of that. Break loose of that. You don't have to keep doing the same thing. You can shift. You can change things. You can. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that all of us would be authentic when we feel stuck when we feel crippled, when we feel broke down, when we need a a miracle of restoration. Give us the faith, Lord, to step forward. Not backwards. Don't go back to try to get it. Step forward. Not back. Forward. Step forward. Stick out your nub and let him do a miracle. Let him do a miracle. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 
In Jesus' name. I don't know everybody in this room. So I want to just take one quick moment. And I want to say I'd love to pray for you. If you don't know the Lord as your Lord and Savior. It would be my honor, my blessing to be able to pray with you before we close this service. Now I'm not asking you to come up here on the platform and take the microphone. I just simply want to agree with you in prayer. I won't embarrass you, I promise. You say, Pastor Ray, I need to get out of the driver's seat and put the Lord in it. I'm going to be authentic. I'm going to step up here right now. I'm going through some stuff, man. I'm fighting. I love God. I believe that's why I'm here today. I just, I need something in my life. And I'm going to step forward right here and ask God to help me, restore to me, help my life. Would you pray for me? I want to give my heart to the Lord today. I need, I need a fresh new start. I need a fresh start. If that's your heart, I just want you to slip your hand up and set it back down so I can pray for you. I see your hand. I see this hand, this hand, this hand. I see your hands in the back. God bless you. Amen. Hands all over the room. Hands all over the room. Let's, let's do something here. Can you look at me for a minute? Look at me for a minute. We're just going to open the altars, okay? If you raise your hand, please just come and kneel down. We're, we're not going to make a show of you. If you're struggling, you need some things restored. Yes. I want you to come. I lost a marriage. I know what it feels like. I know what that's like. I lost my kids. I know what that feels like. But God's bringing them back. God's bringing my sons back. and My family's doing well. But it took some time. And it, it was the time. So God now has to restore the time. I want you to come. God wants to touch your life. Come on, let's stand all over this church. Let's stand. Come on, let's stand. Sizzler can wait a few minutes. Let's pray. Lord, I come. Come on. I confess Bowing here I find my rest Without you I fall apart You're the one That guides my heart
Father, I just pray that you'll help all of us in this room to have the mind of Christ, to think the way that you think. We know, Lord, that our carnal minds are an enemy against what you're doing in our lives. So, Lord, we ask you to help us to become strong in spirit, to be guided by our spirit. The word of the Lord comes as a seed. And it speaks into and puts into our hearts. Now listen, listen to me carefully. The only place God placed a seed is in your spirit. The word of the Lord, the word of God goes into your spirit, man. The problem is most of us are not spirit led. We're soul led. Soul is your your mind, your thinking, your reasoning, your memories, your emotions, your feelings, that's all soul. And the Bible warns that when you're led by those things, you're in you're in a great danger. You've got to be learned to be led by the Spirit. And you've got to, you've got to, you've got to function of, by the Spirit. It's the Spirit is where God moves. And so I've, I've discovered in myself that I often am soulish in my thinking. And I'll stop myself and say, wait a minute. I'm going on what I know. I'm going on what I've learned out of the Bible. What I think is right. I'm going on my emotions, my feeling, what I've had happen to me in the past. I'm looking the wrong direction. Shut it all down, Lord. Help me shut down all that part. And let me get into my spirit. The kingdom of God is God's way of doing business. It's God's way of doing business. God, help me know the way you're going to do business here. The way you're going to do business. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? I'm Ray Kirkland. I cheated to get through high school. I I cheated to get through high school. I don't know how I even made it. Bless God. I wasn't dumb. I just didn't want to learn. I didn't want to do that. I just was a rebel. And I did a lot of dumb stuff in my life. I did. I I became wounded. I lost a marriage. I went through a lot of stuff. I messed up. A lot of messed ups. A lot of boobs. A lot of them. And I'm pastoring while all this is going on. All this is happening in my world, my life. And it's it's just a mess. It's just a mess. But somewhere along the way, God helped me. I got sick with cancer. Some of you know the stories. Twelve years, I was going through chemotherapy. I went through chemotherapy six times. That's right. I was a study patient for UCSD Medical Research Center. It was tough. It was not easy. And during that time, God began to speak to me about kingdom, began to help me restructure my thoughts, my ways of doing things. Just last week, I'm not bragging, just sharing. I'm still Ray Kirkland. I'm still a mess. As you know, you heard Jesus got to preach. I'm a mess. But out of nowhere, God starts moving. Next thing you know, I got Governor Jim Justice, the governor of West Virginia, asking for private breakfast with me. Next thing you know, I've got all these people calling me. I just got invited to go to Trump's and be at a a breakfast and speak to the president. Ray Kirkland from Winslow, Arizona. Cheated to get through high school. Shot spit wads at Beth Neal all through the service. Service. Math class. Never mind. God helps us when we start stepping into the kingdom. God changes things for us. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? God does something. You've got to calm your soul. Calm your soul. Listen to your spirit. Listen to your spirit. Stick out your nub. Be real. Be honest. Be authentic. I told Jim Justice exactly who I was. And you know what he did? He offered money. (laughs) I didn't even ask for money. But I'll take it. Brother Ray will take the money. I don't care if it's filthy lucre. It'll become holy when I get it. I don't care, baby. I'll take it. I'll use it for the kingdom. I will. 
I'll use it for the kingdom. And God knows my heart. That's probably why it's coming. But amen. So, so I'm just trying to tell you, I'm no better than anybody else in this room. I'm just learning to shut my soul down and listen to my spirit. I'm learning to think the way God thinks. I'm learning to move that way. I'm learning to restructure my life. The way I do church, the way I do business, everything's restructuring. It's a, just a whole new thing. So, Father, I pray you'll do that right here in Victorious Life. A restructuring from top to bottom. A changing of who we are so that you can restore your purposes for this city, for this mountain. Not any church purposes, not a man's thoughts, your thoughts to be done in this city. Your purpose to be done on this mountain. Your design to shine out of this place. Let your name be listed up. Let Jesus become famous in this mountain. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Everybody said? Okay, one more thing I ask. I'm just going to ask one thing So, so before we go. I have a rule called the 10-foot rule. 10-foot rule. Everybody within 10 foot of you, you got to shake their hand. If you don't know their name, you got to share your name. So just look around. Everybody in 10 foot, you got to shake their hand and love on them. Amen? And that's when the pastor dismisses. That's what you got to do. Lord, I From the guest of Pastor Tim Masters and Victorious Life Christian Center with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding from Pastor Tim Masters and the Congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center. You're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.